Looking to level up your testing skills? Then go pro with Ministry of Testing to get all the training and support you need to take the next step in testing. With Pro, you get to access online test bash events, attend weekly online 99-minute workshops, take online courses in your own time, and watch all of our previous test bash talks and masterclass videos. You even get special discounts for future events and coaching sessions. So take the next step as a tester and go pro with Ministry of Testing. Welcome to Test Free Roulette, a podcast where my panel guest could be asked to discuss any testing topic decided by randomly selected test free cards. I'm your host, Christopher Hickinger. Let's start testing. Hello and welcome to Test Free Roulette, a podcast where my guest can discuss any testing topic decided by selecting random test free cards. I'm your host, Christophe van Kliekingen, and today we have two awesome guests with me, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Obviously, ladies first, Deb. Hi, I'm Deb Sherwood. I'm a quality coach um, at a company called Squiz here in Australia. Um, I've been in software testing now for over 16 years, and only recently um, just became a quality coach. Um, yeah, hi, everyone. Hi. Any, any fun facts about yourself? Uh, I'm a big Toy Story fan and a huge Buzz Lightyear fan. My desk is full of Buzz Lightyear toys. Ooh, nice, nice. Ready for the new movie then as well? Uh, yeah, I've watched it already a few times, so. Ooh, nice. Done and dusted. <laughs> All right. And uh, my second guest here is Benjamin. Yeah, hello. My name is Benjamin Bischoff. I'm a test automation engineer at Trivago in Germany. I've been in software for about 22 years, first as a developer and for the last six years in uh, development, in testing, so to speak. Okay. Um, a fun fact about me could be that I am a, a magician as well. Oh. Um, I constantly try to link those topics, magic and software development. So All that's right. my... That's my thing. Looking forward to some magical answers then. Hopefully, right. yeah. Um, let's play some test for your life. So uh, I'll, spin, uh, I'll spin the wheel. It will land on a random test free card. I'll read the summary and I will read the title, of course. And then we can dive into examples as well if required. Um, are you guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Spinning the wheel. It landed on a technique, pair testing on project level. Doing testing together with another person, sometimes another tester, sometimes another role. Any takers? Um, I can throw myself in there um, to start with. Um, I think pair testing is quite um, useful especially if you are testing in a man, like if you're manually testing and um, you want to better understand what the product manager is expecting out of a feature and stuff like that, it's 
probably better to sit with the product manager and actually test the feature at the same time and understand the requirements and what they wanted out of the feature and what error messages and stuff like that they're seeing um, or they would want to see. Um, also, if you've got a new engineer coming on board um, who may not be very exposed to automation um, mm -hmm. and you want to teach them how to um, what good testing looks like in terms of, um, you know, what to test and how to test it and stuff like that, it's probably a good opportunity to also do pair testing um, in that space, just like pair programming, but uh, one step in further to test it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, We do that actually regularly when someone reports an issue and we sit together and explore it together uh, from two different perspectives, like the more... I, I don't like this term, manual testers, uh, but they have a mm -hmm. different view on the issues than I have as an automation engineer. And together, I, I think we can combine our superpowers better and find, <laughs> a good, <laughs> find a good solution for effective exploration. Uh, because yeah. that's what I always say, uh, automation is just a means for more ex effective uh, exploration. So true, yeah, that's uh, that's where there, we try to, to combine. Are there any specific techniques that you have used in the past, like to actually do pair testing? Is there any specific thing that you do? For us, it's just uh, an ad hoc thing. Like we see someone uh, exploring an issue, and then you ask a question, "What what is this about?" And then suddenly you're in. So there is no official process for us to do that regularly. I think, I think before COVID, it was probably easier because you're in the office and you could see what other people were doing and stuff like that, and you could throw yourself at it, like you like walk past and you can see what they're doing on the screen and and sit down and um, help. But it's I think it's been a bit challenging since since COVID. But I find now that I have to you know, keep an eye on all the Slack channels and stuff like that going on. Hmm. Someone's having a bit of trouble, um, suggest maybe just jump on a call and talk to each other rather than slacking away and stuff like that. Um, um, I, I go into the office now once a week and sometimes I sit with a product manager if they're in the office um, and talk to them about stuff and use that opportunity to have the face-to-face -face time but it's quite difficult uh, without the engineers in the office sometimes so yeah you just got to um, keep your eyes open I suppose not ears open anymore and <laughs> like see the opportunity and and you know put it out there like hey jump on a call we can try and do this together rather than yeah, trying to understand what's going on via Slack messages and without your um, product there in front of you, like what you're both seeing on the screen and stuff like that. So it's like that that extra form of um, encouragement is needed from people, um, for engineers especially, I think, um, to, you know, pull them out of that, that shell that they're in sometimes and go, you know, maybe we should, you know, yeah, do it together kind of thing. Are like yeah, I, um, are they like always open to do it? Like I can imagine an engineer and a tester being open to do it, but like a product manager or a product owner, it's not always open to do 
pair testing? I'm pretty lucky. Um, all the um, product managers that I work with are very open to me helping out with their testing um, and making sure that especially big features that are crossing multiple parts of the product and multiple streams that they're all working on, they're very open to me coming in and going, okay, cool, let's do this and this and this and, you know, finding all the risks and helping them identify it to make sure it's ready to go. Um, I'm, I am actually really lucky. I've got a good team of product managers who support the QA process. You wanted to add something, Benjamin? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say I completely agree that it's gotten much harder to do this ad hoc stuff for anything. Um, I'm in the office about three or four times a week, but uh, I still belong to a minority. So yeah, <laughs> monitor, <laughs> monitoring Slack channels and emails and everything is definitely part of my job now much more than before. Um, and it's also really hard to decide when to do this ad hoc stuff and when to uh, set up an official meeting for things. So yeah, the whole COVID stuff definitely had its pros in terms of uh, home office and hybrid setup, but this is definitely a con. Yeah, yeah. I feel that too. And I, I don't think it's just a con for People like QAs, I think it's a comfort pair programming as well. But if you log, if you're encouraging it along with the engineering managers encouraging it, it kind of just you know becomes part of the norm to reach out to call each other rather than um, sitting in isolation um, and just encouraging it, that kind of culture. I've had some engineers actually comment saying it's a bit easier um, to do pair programming online. Um, and there are found tools that they can do it with and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it, if you encourage that, hopefully the pair testing can just flow on from that. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, how about we move to our next card? Cool. All right, I'm going to spin the wheel again. Here we go. Observability, dark launch, monitor. Only release your new features to production for a fraction of your users. Get feedback before taking the big leap. Has any of you done that before? Okay, uh, I actually recently had a conversation about this uh, with uh, the SRA team. Um, that we have and whether or not we can just release uh, our product, part of our, one of our products um, to part of our customer base just to make sure it is okay before releasing it fully to everyone. Um, so while we're not actually doing it right now, we've been talking about it and whether or not it's a good option because it's just, it's a big product. It's um, being used by a lot of clients um, and it's just it's like released to some of it, make sure it's okay, and then you know, not long after we release to everyone else once we're happy and um, it's working, and like do a few smoke tests and synthetic tests and all that kind of stuff on it, and go, yep, cool, now we can go to everyone, kind of thing. 
So while we're okay. not doing it, we're talking about it at the moment. Um, for us, we are doing it regularly. Um, have been doing this for years. Okay. Because we have one uh, product that is active in over 50 countries. Wow. So also localized, uh, but it's all coming from one code base. So this was one of the first things we did implement mechanisms to uh, roll out A-B tests and uh, to certain user groups, uh, country-based, language-based, or uh, device or browser or machine-based. So yeah, this is part of our daily routine. Yeah, that was one of my questions. Like, how do you actually select which group gets like the first trial, basically? It always depends on the feature. Um, most of the time, it's a rather small group first, or a smaller country that uh, that doesn't have that much of a user base yet for us, um, or maybe even a region in a country. So we can gather some data. Um, and since we test multiple features at the same time and feature combinations, that is really, really important to figure out if that actually is uh, valuable, what we're doing. That's really interesting. Um, do you have anything to add, Doug? I was just going to ask, how, how quickly do you follow through with the release once you've done the first set? Do you wait a few days or a few hours? Uh, that also depends on the uh, feature, um, how much of an impact it has. If it's just a graphical thing that we're changing, like the color of a button, um, this is fairly quick. It can be a few days, but there are other features that have to be tested over the course of weeks and months, depending on how much data we need at the end to decide. Um, yeah, because in the end, it's going out to all uh, the locales in all the countries. What are you guys, your thoughts about, like, if you would release a specific feature to a random group of users? Not, not that big, but just a random bit. Would that be good or bad? That is definitely good. And that is another thing that we do. Um, if it's not really local specific, like if there is a feature that uh, is for the whole market, there can mm -hmm. be a lot of value in just uh, showing that to a random group of users. If um, their location or the devices or anything like that is not relevant in the end, but just uh, the end result of it. Like if they see this feature, what is the end what is the revenue we generate from this and for those decisions that, that there's definitely value in this have you, have you ever had like a support ticket or something from two people saying like hey i see this on my screen and the other guy is like i see this on my screen that i don't know i would have to uh, to ask uh, the team <laughs> that is uh, in contact with the users directly but I'm sure there, there might have been something like this. Okay. Let's move to a new card. Uh, all right, here we go. Spinning the wheel again. 
it's a heuristic peer reviews Stra strategic heuristic a team member makes code changes right after this a different team member reviews the code and gives feedback i guess we can talk about that like for ages um <laughs> Benjamin or Dap, any takers to go first i mean um that is our usual process, both for the development of the applications, uh, but also for test code. We're doing that a lot. Um, also, members of QA regularly look at code changes from developers as well. So not nice. only test the end result, but also look at the code, because we noticed that people who are not 100% into coding can still point out issues in the code that developers overlook because they seem way too obvious. And you have this, yeah, when you work on a feature for weeks, you kind of get blind uh, <laughs> towards obvious things. And this is something that QA um, and testers definitely help to point out Interesting. Yeah, we have peer reviews amongst our engineers and our QA engineers. Um, they all have to get peer reviewed by someone within their team or um, someone outside their team who has that domain knowledge. Um, just, just part of everyday life, really, for an engineer, I think. Um, so, yes, they all do it before um, they actually get it uh, validated by the product manager. Um, it goes through at least one or two engineers' eyes um, before they actually do the final check. So, yeah. Right. yeah. But this process can also block you. Um, mm -hmm. We notice if there is too much time between the review and the uh, initial pull request or feature. So, yeah, we, we're still trying to find a good balance between the time that it takes to review and uh, when to push it live or to to the next environment. That's yeah, definitely can, not I easy. Imagine, <laughs> I can imagine that being a bit, uh, a bit of a struggle because we have that as well. There's not always someone available to do a review. And yeah. uh, it just lies there on the board. <laughs> it starts with the obvious things like who to select to review your code. Exactly. Like, um, in our case, it usually every morning at stand-up, they try and organize who's doing what reviews. Um, I'm currently um, in an engineering manager role as well, and my team um, were uh, do it every morning. So every morning they check the board, make sure, like before stand up and see what needs to be reviewed, review each other's work, make sure it's all going and like going across the board and moving across nicely and then move on to stand up and the work for the day. Um, even if it's late afternoon, they're still asking each other and uh, making sure someone is going to do it within the next 24 hours um, so it's not sitting there. We kind of try and encourage those peer reviews to happen quite quickly amongst all the teams um, because we rather have them finished, closed off, moved on, and then going on to the next thing without having to context switch too much. Um, even if an engineer needed a, a QA engineer needed a review, they would put their hand up and do the follow the same process, um, hoping to get someone quickly to look at it. 
uh, what definitely helped a little for us is that now automatically some people are added as reviewers depending on the area of the application that was changed. Um, so we set up those rules. So we have a handful of people that, that are always included automatically and they uh, know amongst each other that there's a certain time that uh, shouldn't be uh, surpassed for reviews. So it's definitely gotten quicker through that. Yeah, that's true. true. Have you ever um, had to do a review of another team? The engineers in my team have had to review other teams, yes, but we're like kind of, um, they're contributing back into our code base. So they'll go and review someone else's, another team's code. But we all kind of, we're all using the same um, languages and stuff, or in the newer products, the same languages and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. they're reviewing stuff they know, like how to read and things like that. Um, they generally, if they, do need a review and a subject matter expert is not available for that kind of thing. They still do it um, in a very higher level kind of process and making sure the feature is okay, but knowing that they have to get a re proper review done later, it could be something like that. But it, it, at least someone is seeing it before it gets to the next point and before it gets to the PM. Um, making sure things like tests are being written. I'm really lucky that the engineers are doing all the testing or a majority of the tests in automation. Um, so, like, the tests are written and linting works, like, is passing and all that kind of stuff that they're ticking off and making sure it at least is okay before it gets passed to a product manager to validate that um, requirements have been met. So, yeah, it, it, that kind of thing helps. All right. Yeah, for, for us, all the same. Like, if, if you are part of the initial discussion about a feature or uh, even if you reported a bug or something, you should definitely be included in the final review because you are the one in the know <laughs> and <laughs> you you have the idea about how it should be and what you should achieve. So that definitely makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, how about one more card? Yeah. All right. I'll spin the wheel again. Here we go. It's another heuristic. Comparable products. Consistency heuristic. Are your competitors doing things different? Maybe even in a better way. Who wants to go first on this one? <laughs> do you do you have something, Engine? Huh. <laughs> no. uh, that's a really tough one. Do you I mean, actually we check out your competitors? Of course we do. Yeah, we're, uh, the, same. we're the same. And yeah. are they doing anything better? <laughs> <laughs> Of course they do. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, you you cannot be perfect in everything. So of course there's something that competitors do better, but there is also, of course, a lot that we do better. So, true, true. But let, we let have to, maybe... <laughs> yeah, we have to monitor the market. 
True. Of course. Let me maybe read an example from the cards. Might yes. make it a bit easier. Um, testing a game could have you recalling others. Similar features in games. Um, what did you like about those features? What was missing? So, have you ever checked your competitors out and saw a cool feature that was missing in your platform? Or so for us, this kind of stuff happens at the product manager level rather than in QA or with the engineering team. Yes, product managers will come to us and share like this person, like this company's doing this, and what about this one's doing that? Like they're cool features. Like this is something I would like, you know, but put their mm -hmm. on it for our customers and stuff like that. So they're doing all the research and bringing it back to the teams for us to see or giving us, you know, if someone releases a new feature and, you know, they get a link like, hey, we could look at this, this is cool, or, you know, um, stuff like that. So they're doing that kind of work rather than um, us, um, but we're made aware of what's going on in the market, no doubt, by, by them talking to us. Okay. Yeah, for for us, we are also uh, kept in the loop. I mean, the majority of the work is also done by other people, but we have channels to report back ideas and feature requests as well. So they are definitely considered. So we, in this regard, we have a rather flat hierarchy. Um, so we can we are also free to just uh, create tasks saying please consider this um, because they are doing that and I think it's really helpful. So that is definitely possible. But yeah, this is a full-time job to monitor all the competition and what they're doing. So yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I believe with my current client, it's also the marketing team that keeps, uh, keeps us in loop. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Thank you guys for joining. Uh, is there anything you guys would like to share? Deb, like your socials, events, anything? Uh, you, can, you can find me on Twitter and on LinkedIn at Deborah Sherwood um, if you wanted to ask me any questions about this. Also, if you're a pro member of Ministry of Testing, you will find my Ask Me Anything session from Test Bash World on regression testing. Uh, it's well worth a listen. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Benjamin? <laughs> Great. So, yeah, the easiest way to reach me and get all my different social media stuff is to go to softwaretester.blog, my personal blog, where I uh, write articles about software development and testing. And I think the next time I'll appear is at the TestCon Europe conference with a talk. But everything is on my side. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in in the TestSphere Roulette podcast. See you guys next time for a game of TestSphere Roulette. Thank you to the guests and thank you for listening. For more information about TestSphere, check out restormingonline.com or buy the card tech from the Ministry of Testing store. Music at the courtesy of sapsplat.com. We'll see you for more roulette again soon.